it's been a challenge that has changed uh, the way that I cook and the way that I manage and it's, uh, it's really forced me to uh, relinquish control which I think is a very difficult thing as an owner chef it, you know it, it's con you want control you want control of heat you want control of produce you, you want control of dishes so to relinquish that control has been quite hard but it's actually made it a lot more enjoyable for me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. New Zealand has led the world in clamping down on COVID-19 with a forward-thinking leader and a society that has each other's backs. The intense original lockdowns has meant that life in New Zealand is back to normal, bar the occasional case. With a vibrant, energetic and exciting food landscape, what impact has this had on those plying their trade in the Shaky Isles. Nick Honeyman is the owner and head chef of Paris Butter in New Zealand and Le Petit Lyon in France. Nick, how are you going? Really good, Huck. How are you doing? Good, mate. We can talk about what's sort of been going on over there in New Zealand, but I got wind of the fact that you're going to be jumping on a plane in three weeks when no one can sort of travel international, real, internationally really, and you're off to Paris. Yeah, yeah, we're back to, to France, just outside of Bordeaux. We've got a little restaurant there. Um, so it, it's a pretty daunting aspect. Uh, but, you know, before COVID, we, we've kind of set our lives up over two continents. Um, and now we're, we're trying our best to, to manage it, um, making decisions week by week, hoping that they're good decisions. When did you make the call that you, you were definitely going back over there? This one was actually a pretty easy call for us to make. Um, my wife's pregnant uh, with our second child and she's German. Um, so we actually have no family in New Zealand. And it, it was, you know, I think COVID has taught us uh, one thing that's really important is that, that family is important to us. Uh, so, so we felt that going to Europe during this time um, we're going to get some family support. Uh, it was just the it was a natural path for us to take, um, and then we tried to set up everything up around it. You mentioned that you are a little bit nervous about it. How do you feel about sort of the cases and what's going on in Europe compared to the experience you've had in New Zealand now that you're almost on your way over there? I think we're not so much nervous of uh, COVID. It's more uh, the businesses and how it's going to affect them. Um, I'm pretty fortunate that in New Zealand I've got such an amazing team and because it's been such a start-stop climate we're, we're pretty good at, at stopping the business on a dime when we need to and the team is, um, they've been with me for four, five years uh, so they're really good at running it so it's given us the opportunity to go to Europe um, and I mean I, I guess the worst case scenario for us is we go there and, and we can't open uh, you know, it looks like that everything should open for summer, um, but we're just not sure. Well, you mentioned summer as well, and it's a seasonal restaurant, uh, which we don't see a lot of down in sort of Australia and New Zealand. And tell, tell us a bit about the restaurant over there. So Le Petit Lyon, it's a, it's a seasonal restaurant. It's quite cool. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's in the region, the Dordogne region, which is an hour east of Bordeaux in this tiny little country town. And it means um, that, you know, the rent is really cheap. So, so we can pay our full year's rent 
uh, and then we can afford to open the business however long we want. Wow. Which has led us, um, we've got this really unique blueprint so we can hire a team and the team starts together and they finish together. Uh, and to be honest, it's uh, the energy of that team and that family vibe. Everyone's there with the same goals and the same finishing date. So there's this light at the end of the tunnel. So it's this really surreal experience within a restaurant. Everyone's there not only to work, but they're also, you know, they're on the same path. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas in a regular restaurant day to day, everybody is, is working in your restaurant, but uh, everybody has different goals. And, you know, some might be aiming to finish in six months. Some might want to do a couple of years. Tell us a bit about the region and the produce and the sort of offering that you do. So um, we do, it's semi, it's fine dining food um, and, and it's just inspired by the produce there. So the region there is really famous for, uh, for poultry, for ducks, uh, foie gras, truffles. Uh, the history of that region, it's all embedded with food. You know, you drive down the road and on the left hand side you've got walnut trees and the right there's maize. Uh, it's just, there's just food everywhere. It's kind of a, a mecca for food. How did it all come about? You've been chefing in New Zealand for quite a while now. What what, what led to the, the France restaurant? This was um, right place, right time. It all came about by accident. Uh, when I was working in Sydney, I was uh, working for um, Haru Manukai, and he had worked with Pascal Barbot previously, and so he um, got me in the door to Pascal's restaurant, Las Drance, in Paris. And when I arrived, Pascal said, um, don't really want to teach you how to cook, but, you know, I really want to teach you the French culture. So he forced me to go to, to French school in the morning. Uh, and then he had a customer who had a, a little restaurant in the south of France, and he said, I, I think you should go there for three weeks to go and experience it. And that was Le Petit Lyon. So more than 15 years ago, I went there and did a two-week season or three-week season to help the chef out. And I just stayed in contact with the with the team there and the the guy who owned the land. And wow. five years ago, he emailed me and said, "I'm either going to sell it or you can come and um, do business with me." And it was kind of you know it was the opportunity of the lifetime. So I dropped everything and went. And uh, and then um, my wife and I we ended up buying the restaurant uh, three years ago. Amazing. What's it been like trying to manage uh, two restaurants that are so far apart? very challenging um but it's been a challenge that has changed uh, the way that i cook and the way that i manage and it's uh, it's really forced me to uh relinquish control which i think is a very difficult thing as an owner chef it, you know it, it's con you want control you want control of heat you want control of produce you, you want control of dishes so to relinquish that control has been quite hard but um now that i've learned how to do it i've got such amazing people working for me uh you know my my head chef's in and he's uh he's just as good he's probably a better chef than i am and and to learn how to um give him more freedom and more control it has just elevated the business and it's actually made it a lot more enjoyable for me i think that um i find a lot of enjoyment cooking with people instead of just directing everybody the whole time Tell us about the time in New Zealand over the last year. You guys have been a real leading light and sort of clamping down on what everyone's going through across the world. But what's it been like as an operator in New Zealand? Uh, 
it's actually it's been pretty tough, um, but it's also been really good. You know, we we still have this uh, incredible lifestyle where some days you'll you'll go and you won't feel the effect of anything. Um, and then other days you really feel the pinch of the borders being shut and there's no tourists around. And especially uh, in the in the high seasons in December when the, the tourists should be here, it's when everybody's kind of at three quarters capacity instead of the, that December feeling where you just, you're so, so busy. Um, yeah, it's a little bit eerie some days. Um, and I think that around town that, you know, everybody's experienced that one drop-off day per week. And in, in hospitality, that's your profit gone. Uh, and it's sometimes it's, you just can't pick that day anymore. We, three weeks ago, we had a Friday night that was extremely quiet and we were full the rest of the week. And there was no reason for it other than um, it was just by chance that everybody else was eating at other restaurants. You've been in New Zealand for quite a quite a few years now uh, what led to the move to New Zealand I actually came to New Zealand for a weekend uh, and uh, I came to visit a friend here and uh, he said why don't you go and check out a couple of restaurants while you're here for the weekend and I, I spoke to a, a guy Simon Wright who's at the French cafe and he said do you want to start work on Monday <laughs> and, and and that was it I, I was just like I enjoyed what he was doing and uh, I was like why not let, let's give it a go and it felt like a pretty chilled out cool place to be and uh, then then New Zealand just kind of opened its doors and it's this been this place of uh, opportunity and uh, yeah it's been really kind to me you you have Paris butter now tell us a bit about that that restaurant and and what you're doing so Paris butter in its um, current stage we've been here for five years and we do modern French food um, kind of degustation based because uh, you call it fine dining it's hard to define food these days um, very much ingredient driven uh, so it's New Zealand ingredients and then I, I guess French techniques uh, we, we actually started off as a, as a French bistro um, I I think last time I saw you, uh, we were just about to open it, and uh, I saw a gap in the market for this classic French bistro. And two years into it, uh, my wife turned around to me, said to me, "You know, why aren't you cooking food that you love?" And I couldn't answer her. And uh, I think the customers could feel it too. I would never want to go out to the floor, and you know, it, it was solid food, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't ticking my creative boxes, so I wasn't completely proud about what we're doing so we pretty much flipped it overnight and uh, yeah we've been going there ever since. Well tell us about um, what you are doing now and what, what your style of cooking is. So I guess our, our style of cooking is uh, it's totally in, ingredient based and it's always evolving. Um, I, I really like to be creative and I, I like to learn uh, so every week we're trying to do something new and to uh, explore uh, different ways to, to make food delicious. Uh, I think that's the key word for us, is we like to do delicious food. Um, and then we like to take the ingredients uh, that we find the best local ingredients and tell a story with them. Tell us about New Zealand ingredients. What's some of the uh, ingredients you love getting your hands on? New Zealand food, it's incredible. They have some of the best ingredients in the world, you know, from the, 
the waters, you have the snapper and the, the scampi and the crayfish and then venison, lamb, the, the beef here is incredible too. Uh, yeah, it, we're really inundated with, with so much choice. Um, you know, if, if anything, COVID has been a positive effect on that because there's been a lot more of that beautiful produce left in the country. How does that compare to the sort of produce that you uh, use in France? The produce in France is, is exceptional. Um, I think the difference with the produce in New Zealand and in France is that uh, the produce in France is ready. A lot of the fruit that you can buy is ripe uh, and because the market's big enough. So in New Zealand, a lot of the problem you find is that um, things are not as ripe and they're not ready to eat. Uh, we you know, don't have the same population to feed here. Um, so there's... You lose a lot of the, the local markets like you have in France. You don't have as many here um, simply because a lot of the really good produce is exported. Where I guess in France, you know, you, we can go down the road and the, the mushrooms are they're local, the veg and produce is local. It's a little bit easier to source. You were uh, born in South Africa. Can you take us back to that time and when you started to get interested in food? Yeah, I was born and raised in South Africa, um, and then when I was 18, uh, I did what every other South African kid normally did, is you, you enroll to go to uni, and uh, my parents saw that I wasn't super stoked to go from school to uni and do more studying, <laughs> so they bought me a round-the-world ticket, and I, I started to backpack, and uh, I actually, my first stop was in Perth, and uh, I ended up uh, landing a job as a kitchen hand never really knew anything about kitchens and the the first experience I had there was uh, I was washing dishes on my second day and all of a sudden the kitchen went dead and this guy slammed through the back door after he had arrived in this red sports car I was like who the hell is this guy and it was the head chef and uh, something stuck with me and I was just like I want to be that guy and and from then on, uh, I, I just I guess I, as an eighteen year old, you you, you love food anyway because you're just hungry all of the time. But I really started to appreciate it, um, and I liked the the discipline and the the hierarchy of a kitchen. It kind of um, you know the old school apprenticeship set you goals, and it was just a, a solid ladder that you could climb. Um, and I yeah, I think my personality just took to that. And so I went back to South Africa and I uh, told my parents I was going to go move to Australia to start an apprenticeship and, and that was that. Take us through your time in Sydney with that apprenticeship and, and some of the really key uh, restaurants that you worked in that sort of helped form who you are as a chef. I think, yeah, the, um, the apprenticeship was, it didn't feel like the right thing at the time, but... Uh, looking back on it, because you, you would go to work five days a week and then you'd go to school for one day, the day at school you really felt like you weren't learning much and it was only later down the track that you realised how important that was. Um, and I managed to land myself in some cool places and one of the uh, most memorable was working with Haru Nukai at Observatory Hotel who had been trained by Robichon for so many years and had this incredible... Um, balance of Japanese and French flavours uh, and he was just the, this creative guy who he was uh, ran a, a nice tight kitchen and but he really looked after his staff and you know he uh, I had the opportunity to go to Tokyo with him once and uh, do a dinner with him and then you know he also organised for me to go to France it was um, 
Yeah, I was really lucky with the, the mentors that I had. You were locked down uh, five days last week uh, to do with COVID cases in Auckland. What, what sort of impact did that have? Last week was probably the hardest for us. Um, the, the previous lockdowns, you know, when you had the full lockdown, people are starved of restaurants and then you, you come out and we go from level four to level three and you can do the takeaway model and, and people were really supportive of that. Last week from going from normal life in summer to a level three lockdown, uh, where it's a completely new business model for us. So doing takeaways with, um, means that we have to go back to, you know, the classics, the food that travels well. Um, and uh, people just weren't starved of restaurants last week. So it was quite a, a slow business model. Um, but also it's a, it's a really humbling one. You know, we've been open five years and, and every week you try and perfect your business. And then to flip your business back to something that is brand new and that you're making mistakes on every day, um, it, it's, sometimes it's soul-destroying. Uh, you know, I, we took uh, deliveries too. We tried to make as much money everywhere where we could, so we um, uh, we did our own deliveries. So, you know, the last delivery I had, I realised I was one dessert short, and I was forty-five minutes away from the restaurant. And you know, you, you let the the whole meal down, and I, I just stood there in front of them, and I was just, like, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm I'm going to shoot back and go and get it for you. And they were really lovely and, and uh, you know, very forgiving and understanding. But, you know, there's just not a mistake that you would make in your, in your restaurant. And uh, to go back to, to step one and to make those mistakes was quite tough. It's also with a product that's not um, your heart and soul. Uh, not to say we weren't giving it our all, but you know what I mean. Mm. With no indication of when international tourists will return to New Zealand, how do you see the next year playing out for the hospitality sector? Uh, I think that uh, everyone's got to be quite vigilant of, of um, what the next year is going to be. And, and, you know, we accept that the next year is going to be like this. Uh, it's going to be tough. Auckland's quite tough on its own. We have 3,500 restaurants. New Zealand's been on a high and I think that Australia was probably similar for the last decade and there's just so many places that have opened. So uh, in terms of restaurants without tourists, we're spread really thin and we're all fighting amongst ourselves. Um, so I think that creating a really sharp business plan and, you know, we've made lots of, uh, of cuts and instead of, um, you know, basing your restaurant on a, on a 30 packs night, whether that's your break even, we've had to move it to 18 uh, and make sure that we can do that. Because at the end of the day, my, my goal is to keep my staff employed um, and we, we just need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to do that. You mentioned the move to Europe, which is a couple of weeks away, was driven uh, by family and to be closer to family and having that connection. What, what's, what's the last year, um, how has it affected you personally with, what, with what's happening? I think the last year has been, um, it sounds bizarre, but it's been quite fulfilling. Um, the first time that we went into lockdown, I came face to face with failure. I, I thought that I'd lost both of the restaurants. And it was something that I've always avoided. And then coming face to face with failure and, and uh, thinking every avenue down to what would happen if I lost this or lost that, what would it mean? 
you, you look up and then you see your family like, you know what, everything's going to be okay. Um, and, and then I started to make better decisions that weren't ego-driven decisions. And I think that if you're scared of failure, that, that it's connected a lot to your ego. Uh, and we started to make clever, smart decisions and be like, hey, cool, well, we, we can't put that on the menu if it's not going to be cost effective or you know um, I think it just opened my eyes to everything business wise and once I lost that fear of, of losing the businesses and failings everything uh, actually became a lot more successful and we started doing a lot better this experience and change and realization do you think that will transfer into the kitchen and the, and the way you cook absolutely yeah yeah, absolutely. I think that it's taken a level of fear away. Um, you know, when, when you're in the kitchen, you're always thinking, oh, you know, what if a reviewer came in tonight? What if we didn't have this option? What if we didn't have that? Whereas now you just have to be a little bit more practical. Be like, okay, we want to do this. We, this is our dream. This is what we'd like to deliver to the customer. Um, how are we going to do that in a sustainable way that uh, works for the business and gives them the best experience and maybe that means that there's a few less options and uh, I guess there's just less room to hide. Um, I think in hospitality we, we get caught up in being too hospitable and, and making too many concessions which are not always good for your business uh, and you know I think that it's actually if anything it's helped our, our cooking it's given us a little bit more uh, structure and direction and COVID's kind of uh, it's drawn a box for us and we can be creative within that box instead of just having a blank page and being creative in the page it, it's just made our uh, creativity a little bit more focused if that makes sense. Tell us about this trip to, to Europe. Is it, do you have plans to stay there for a couple of years or are you returning to New Zealand regularly? What's, what's the agenda? So the, we only go for the season. This year we um, uh, are going a little bit earlier so I can try and set the business up. Um, so when the, the baby comes along, I can spend some time with the, uh, the new baby and my wife, which uh, has become so important to me. Uh, you know, I I don't want to be remembered as a as a great chef in my family. I would like to be remembered as a great dad and husband. Um, so it's forced me to make that balance. Um, so we we're aiming to be there until October. Uh, the season hopefully kicks off in June, and we're expecting quite a big season in Europe this year. Uh, everyone's been locked down for a very long time. Uh, and we think that they'll you know, France has eighty million people in it. So there's a, there's a lot of people to support local business there. With the borders shut for so long and being locked down from the rest of the world for so long, what, what are you most looking forward to when you get over there? Oh, uh, um, well, it's a tough question, but you know, when we get there, it's going to be white asparagus season. Uh, we, we, we land in Germany, uh, where my wife's family's from, and they, they've got spargel everywhere and they're these, these kind of five, you know, three to five hundred gram pieces of white asparagus that taste like meat. Wow. Um, yeah, they're incredible. So um, you're going over for the, the new season and you'll be back in New Zealand. Um, do, you, do you have any plans moving forward that you can tell us about? Uh, back in New Zealand, I guess we're, we're always planning uh, to 
to do new things and to uh, we're always looking to um, I don't know to go that next little level and next little step up I've got a really successful team at the moment and a lot of them are looking to do their own things and um, I would always like to facilitate that or be part of that as a, if I could um, but I, I guess at the moment we're really just focusing on getting through this year and, and uh, making sure that everyone is happy, they're employed, their mental health is good because uh, we are expecting this year to be as tough as last year uh, if, if not tougher because everyone's carrying the burden from last year uh, it feels like no one's really had a break from it and if last week showed us anything you know most people uh, our team worked 30 hours in the week and they arrived on Tuesday and everyone was shattered it's just it, the mental strain of, of COVID and, and the opening and closing um, it's taking a, a silent toll on everyone Do you think that toll um, will change and transform the hospitality sector moving forward? I think it is. I think that it, everyone is talking about it and I think that the hospitality sector is going to come back uh, may, maybe energised, restructured. I think that kitchens and restaurants will have to change and the, the way that we cook and the hours that we work. Uh, I think that menus will have to be adapted to um, suit a, a more balanced lifestyle, uh, which, which is naturally happening and it has been happening over the last few years. But I think it's really going to be apparent in the next little while. Um, the time off that people have had, they've really realised, hey, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time at work and, you know, my, my family is neglected. And I think, you know, everyone came out of the first lockdown talking about a balance and we went straight back into it and you, you kind of forgot about it. And in the second lockdown, you're like, hey, there's that balance we were talking about again. So I think it's really being drummed into us that, something needs to happen and I think that things will change quite quickly. Well Nick you're um, about to head off to, to Europe, um, good luck with the, the summer season over there, I'm sure you're very excited to get on a plane for um, the first time like many of us will when we get to travel again. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today mate, uh, please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast, I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>